The third pick goes to the New York Knicks. The second pick will be made by the Memphis Grizzlies. And that means that the number one pick in the 2019 NBA Draft goes to the New Orleans Pelicans. Wow. Here we go. And there it went, the NBA draft lottery, not rigged. I think we can say that with certainty. Hello and welcome and thank you for downloading Tuesday, May 14, 2019. Can you believe it? The two biggest stars, Zion Williamson and Ja Morant, cast to the NBA hinterlands. No offense, New Orleans and Memphis, but... There's going to be a lot of people buying the NBA ticket on either satellite or cable to watch these guys next year because the logical thing would have been to put them on the Lakers and Celtics, or excuse me, put them on the Knicks and the Lakers and be done with it. So, without further ado, let's see what Andy Poland's doing tonight. West Coast Andy Poland. Hello. Hello, Andy. I was mentioning your West Coast, Andy. You're visiting a dear friend of yours, and you are loving the West Coast time zone as you watch the Warriors and the Blazers right now. Oh, Zabe, this game tipped off at 6 o'clock. You know <laughs> you know my sleep schedule as well as anyone. Yeah. I- I would be so much better informed about sports and have seen so many more games if I lived on the West Coast. And yet, I don't know if you've ever considered being West Coast, Andy. You've talked to me at times about, you know, I could someday move to New York and live in an apartment and not have a car and be perfectly happy. You've yep. never talked to me about any desire to go West. Well, uh, I've spent time in the major cities in California, San Francisco, San Diego, Los Angeles. You spent time uh, in San Diego. Well, uh, uh, not, I don't visiting significant time, but it was they've had. I think I've been to three Super Bowls there, so oh, we right. get a time okay. for those. Yeah, um, and that is beautiful, but I understand incredibly expensive. Oh God. L- Los Angeles is a traffic nightmare, also expensive. Right. And here I'm close to San Francisco, which is close, really close in spirit to a northern city. If you've, you've been here, it feels more like a northern city. But again, incredibly expensive. So I, I, I can't see how I would live in any one of those well, cities. Well, do you think New York City is cheap? No, but I could live a lifestyle where I wouldn't have a car. Do you think, uh, do you think Washington, D.C. is cheap? Oh, it's expensive, but it's home. I know it's home. And it's where all the good teams reside, Andy. And the Wizards are going to be picking ninth. Thanks for nothing. The uh, the general managers are lining up outside of Ted's door. Uh, Jerry West is wondering if Ted would be interested in hiring him. Yeah, it's it's so wizard-esque, isn't it? It it really is, and I hate being in this thing. Uh, Luckily, the the last, you know, good chunk of years, we've avoided the lottery. But we're back in it. We're going to be back in it for the foreseeable future, I'd say. 
Uh-huh. And uh, and this is uh, this is the cycle that goes on. I just said before I dialed you up, I said, well, it's definite they are not rigging the lottery these days. Oh, Be- really? <laughs> well, look at the result, Andy. They took Zion and Ja Morant, the two most exciting marketable stars. Mm-hmm. Zion, the overall number one pick, the 360 dunking, cat quick, tank sized badass from Duke. They sent him to New Orleans, and now they're going to send Ja Morant, the, the willow quick dunking sensation at point guard to Memphis. These are NBA backwaters, Andy. They should have rigged the lottery and put those two guys in New York and L.A. and called it a day. That's what well, the old commissioner would have done. Let me look at it from the other side, and now we're kind of role-reversing here because I'm suggesting conspiracy. Oh. New Orleans is dead. It's it's not a basketball town at all. If Anthony no. Davis leaves, you might as well uh, shovel it over. It's it's done. If If Anthony Davis now stays and plays with Zion Williamson, well, now you've got a contending team, possibly, and you don't lose another New Orleans basketball team. They lost the Jazz, of course, and they could easily, I could see, lose this team in a few years if okay. Anthony Davis leaves. All so, right. so that saves that. And, and what about you know, Memphis? Well, Memphis is, you know, that's that's another franchise they'd like to preserve. If, if Memphis moves, you know, what's left? Where do they go? Do they have a, a stalking city for them? I don't think so. Other, other than Seattle... Which no. deserves a team again, True. but they don't have the stadium dialed in, at least not at this point. They're getting a hockey team in Seattle. I don't know, Andy. I just think that uh I mean maybe maybe they're trying to prop up New Orleans. I just I don't think the league should have ever gone there. Of course they had no, no choice because George Shin picked up yeah, and moved there and they could not stop him. Right. But but you, they could be saying to Anthony Davis, Okay, big boy, now you want to leave? I think he wants to leave anyway. I do too. But I think that this puts a little more heat on him. And if he walks away, it makes him look even worse than he does right now. Uh, Who cares about looking worse? I guess. Yeah. Don't you think at this point, does it really matter? I, I feel bad for Zion. Not that New Orleans is a terrible place. It's just not for everybody, Andy. It's Louisiana. (laughs) There's great people who live there, many of whom listen to this podcast. And I love my Louisiana and New Orleans people. I've been to New Orleans for a week with you in the post-9-11 Super Bowl. And we had a great time. But being down there, I thought, this is not for everybody. No, no. it's it's And it's always been a Saints town. I mean, whatever other team has been there right. uh, has always been, you know, not interesting. Now, it's big college football. You know, LSU oh, yeah. is – Well, that's the thing. LSU is not there, but right. it's, it's big. You know? Yeah. So, and I guess the arena that they play, uh, the, the Smoothie King Arena in New Orleans yeah. is not state-of-the-art. Right. And and doesn't Benson's daughter own both, the Saints and the Pelicans? I think she does. Quite possibly, yeah. Yeah. I hmm. just – there there they were, the Lakers – and the Knicks in the top four after moving up. Yep. And I'm like, it's one, two, either way. The, they're either going to throw, they're either going to throw LeBron a bone because the ratings are down on the NBA playoffs this year. You know that despite them oh, yeah. being very exciting because no LeBron, 
there's LeBron withdrawal going on with the super casual fan that is tuned out this year. So I thought maybe they'd throw the Lakers a bone, give them one of the top two picks. And the Knicks were everybody's pick to win this thing this year, and they didn't. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Zion Williamson in New York. Did you see the uh, tweet that Darren Ravel put out? No. He said the difference between Zion playing in New Orleans versus L.A. or New York is about $100 million in endorsements. Oh, shit. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Check it out. You're because a guy. Think, think about this. Well, I mean, I can check it out. I don't. Do you know if. Do you think Darren Ravel's right? Oh yeah, you I do. So he, stud- he studies this stuff. This is his, this okay. is his little street corner, just like Mel's got the draft. I guess you're right. You know, he, that's his deal. That's what he does. I mean, honestly, Andy, I've watched, I've watched so little Pelican basketball since Anthony Davis landed there. I don't even oh, know yeah. how many minutes total. I, well, how many national TV games have they had? That's another thing. Plus, they made the playoffs, what, once with yeah. Anthony Davis so far? Right. So right. as good as Davis is, and nobody denies it, he's not good enough to lift a franchise by himself. Right. And I think that's going to be Zion. I think Zion's going to be great, just like Anthony Davis, but I don't think he's generational. All these outlets trying to hype him as a generational guy, he's not that, I don't think. Well, I, I do like the fact that he's humble. but I love that. In- in this NBA, uh, you got to have some attitude too. So LeBron had that coming out of high school. I mean, he he wore the chosen one like a badge right. of honor. But uh, but LeBron this, this guy Le- does not right. But LeBron was generational. Zion's not generational. Zion, I'm saying he's going to be a power three, which is a term that nobody even uses. So I'm like Ken Beatrice making up terms like quick side forward. <laughs> Yeah, I, well. I think he's going to be a nuclear three, which is to say a very heavy three. He'll have to get better with his jump shot, but he'll be able to guard guys as a wing player. He's got a good handle, obviously great defensive instincts, plays above the rim. He'll be great in the NBA. I just don't think he's going to change the entire fortunes of a franchise. I bet Davis leaves anyway. Zion's the replacement factor. And they kind of stay where they have been the last couple of years. Good, but not that good. Yeah, I mean, it'll be an interesting one to watch. And the other thing is, now I'm going to sound like a doctor, which I know nothing about being, but <laughs> at 275 pounds, playing 30 games in a year is one thing. Right. 275 pounds, playing 82-plus playoffs, how are those joints going to hold up? I don't know. There are people who are worried about sort of his doughiness. Yeah. You know, he's not, not doughy. He's not doughy. He's just... He's just a big, big guy. Okay, and... not doughy. He's not doughy, but he's he's rounded. He's like when Larry Johnson came out, he was chiseled big. Yeah. This is not Zion. No. Well, you know, Wes Unseld had a body that was not unlike that. But Unseld would just plant that big tuchus down on the block right. and, and box everybody out. And <laughs> right. he didn't play this this. He and, played, and game. Wes, Wes played below the rim, even yeah. at six foot nine. Right, six seven. Really, West was six yeah. seven. Six seven, yeah. Listed or actual? I think it was actual. I mean, you could add okay. the three inches of afro he used to have, but yeah, <laughs> he was he was yeah, you know, he was a legit six seven. Hold on, going to Basketball Reference right now, Andy. Check uh, it out. Wes unselled six. He played. What did he play? Center or forward? He's center. No, he was center. He, he would lead the league in rebounding sometimes. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. 
I'm here to tell you, do not take a run at Andy Poland's DC sports knowledge ever. Wesley Sissel Unseld, out of the University of Louisville, six foot seven, ding, 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 245 pounds, position center. 245 is a rookie. I think by the time he retired, he was a little bigger than that. Yeah, uh, he was. Uh, they they have him nicknamed as the Wide U. Oh yeah, I never yeah. heard him called that. Yeah. The I Wide U. West- I would call him Sir. <laughs> right, Westley W E S T L E Y. His right. real given name went by Wes Sissel, middle name S I S S E L Unseld. How about that? Yeah. Do you know that uh, Adolph Rupp wanted to make him the first black player at Louisville at uh, Kentucky? Oh really? Yeah, and uh, and as much of a, a mensch as he was, and as much of a uh, uh, a smart guy and leader he was, he didn't feel like he wanted to be a trailblazer, so he went huh. to Louisville instead. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So, what do you make of uh, the Final Four in the NBA? Are you enjoying it? Watching it? Thoughts? Well, look, we've had the incredible moment that will be remembered for years. I mean, that Kawhi. shot, mm-hmm. the, the, the Kawhi Leonard shot that hung on the rim for seemingly two minutes. That's if you're going to remember one image, even if gold, whatever golden state does win, lose, you know, maybe they get knocked out in this round against Portland. That's going to be the image you remember. I mean, that that's, I think it was, it was the first ever game. It was the first ever game seven buzzer beater ever that, in any it, round. It, 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 it wasn't just a buzzer beater. It, it was the most bizarre buzzer beater I've ever seen. I uh, mean, you, have you ever seen anything like that in, a, in an important game like that? Yes, and we talked. Uh, Jay and I talked about it yesterday here. We, uh, Ralph Sampson against the Lakers, nineteen eighty six. Yes, in yes, a best yes. of three, right? With an awkward turnaround that went high in the air and fell through. Yeah, should have remembered that. That's exactly right. I Someone else that. mentioned Don Nelson when he played in 1969. Had a big shot in the playoffs that also went high in the air. It's on YouTube, and I looked it up. I was like, look at that. It's Don yeah. Nelson playing basketball. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, um, was, that yeah. was that was a game changer. Most yeah. of them don't clang up like that. In terms of all-time great NBA shots, let's go through a couple of them. Jordan Pushing off of Brian Russell in Utah. Yep. Sticking the dagger, right, for game six? Incredible. That's the last uh, big shot he hit for the Bulls, yep. Jordan hanging over Craig Elo is yep. in the pantheon of shots. That was kind of the coming out. You put those two together, that's like the bookend of, of Jordan's career. Magic Johnson's running hook shot in the lane against the Celtics. Yes. Is another one. Yep. Um... What other shots? Singular shots. Steal by Bird lays off the DJ. That's the Johnny Most call. That's yeah. a you know, Andy. That was a great play. I'm yeah. thinking singular shots. How shots. about how about Robert Ory off a scramble and a loose ball against the Sacramento Kings at the buzzer in the forum? Okay. Uh, how about the one that uh, Miami got to uh, beat San oh. Antonio? Ray Allen in the corner? Ray Allen, yep. All right, how about Sean Elliott on the right yep. sideline falling out of bounds for San Antonio back in With the day? With his heels on the line, maybe? Right, 
with like <laughs> one second left. Yeah. A lot of great shots. So uh, is it's the Warriors' title to lose even with Durant out. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I think they can beat Portland without him uh, as they lead now as we speak. But uh, I think if they play Milwaukee in the finals without him, it could be interesting. It could be very interesting. And do you think Milwaukee is getting through in the East? I do. You do? See, mm-hmm. here's what's weird. My friends in Milwaukee, they're excited, obviously, but they're a little bit, I think, clueless about what's going on. I don't think they're mentally thinking we could have a parade in June <laughs> for a championship. And it's probably because this all happened so quick. It's like the fan base won the lottery and they yeah. don't know what to do with all the money because remember last year they didn't get out of the first round. They lost to the Celtics. The yeah. year before yeah. that, they didn't get out of the first round. And so all of this is new money for them. And what I've been urging them is you better get your mindset on we've got to win it this year because it could be another 20 years before you're in the finals again if you make it that far. Because they were in the Eastern Conference Finals 19 years ago. 19, was it? It was 2001, so 18 years ago. And then it never happened again until maybe, well, until now, in which they're in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Raptors. Can Giannis opt out after this year? No, he's got two. He's got three more years. No, two more years after this. So there's this well, year. that's the window. Yeah, that's the window. Right. And, and, and a lot of experts are saying no matter how much he says he loves it there yeah. and he's a simple kid from Greece doesn't need the big lights and the bright markets bright markets big lights what am I saying mm. that they're saying he's gonna leave like yeah. there's no way Milwaukee keeps him on the second contract where he's only gonna be like 27 I think oh he's amazing he, he is he, there's nobody like him in the NBA right now there are more guys like Curry that have come in and, and that's hit, true, you know, wild three point shots, but a guy who can basically take off at the foul line and with one step <laughs> right. dunk and he can do it whenever he wants to, it seems it's crazy. And, and the fact that he wasn't, he wasn't drafted until the middle of the first round because when he played in Greece, he was like at a third tier level of basketball. Did and you he, see what he looked like when he came in the league? Spindly kid. Yeah, he looked like a rec league kid. A collection of elbows, knees, and sticks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I've enjoyed the NBA playoffs despite the ratings being down. It's sort of like when Tiger went off wandering in his golf career yeah. and a lot of casual fans like <clears throat> you <laughs> punched out. And yeah. there was, there was of course, the professional moaning and groaning from the industry, notably TV, because, yeah. of course, Tiger was the tide that lifted all boats. But for the hardcore nerds of the sport like me, I didn't mind. There was a lot of other good, interesting players to watch, even though, of course, Tiger was the best. I feel that way about the NBA right now. No, LeBron is not there. But guess what? This is good basketball. I've, I've enjoyed the shit out of these NBA playoffs. Well, I, I would say the difference is people like me were watching basketball a long, long time ago. I didn't really get into watching golf until Tiger came along. I watch it casually, right. like when Jack won in '86, things like that. Right. But once he was in, it became must TV, must see TV. Sure. And when he zoned out, then it wasn't so much a case. By the way, what did you make of Tiger ripping John Daly for using a cart? Well, let's uh, let's talk about that. I saw the headlines, and I read Tiger's quote. 
I'm not sure he ripped him as much well. as he tweaked him. They <laughs> yeah. asked they asked about Daly in the cart, and Tiger said with that wry smile, "Well, I walked with a broken leg." John Daly okay. has John Daly is getting ripped appropriately as the fat, lazy bum that he is. Yeah, I think I think Casey Martin was a much more sympathetic case. Casey yeah. Martin had a disability that was related to a birth defect, whereas John Daly <laughs> is just a fat, drunken, chain smoking slob. Right. Exactly. Now he's the people's champion, and yeah. I'll get several ba- angry emails for me ripping on him like this. But he's only played in like six tour events in the last year. He's missed the cut in five, and he withdrew in the other. So he shouldn't even be playing in this. But because he's a past PGA champion, he's got an exemption. So he's Mm -hmm. showing up for it. I guess he probably heard there is a free sweater and a box lunch if you show up for the tournament. Okay. Let's say you won the PGA championship. I'd play until I was dead. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, of course you would. Yes. But but you remember that this used to happen at the Masters because the Masters had a similar oh, yeah. invite. Oh, yeah. And an, Billy and, Casper. Jesus, looks <laughs> like he ate Billy Casper. <laughs> and, and what happened was uh, Golf Golf Digest, I think, reported one year that the, uh, the tournament committee <laughs> had to send out a little letter to some yeah. of the past champions who were still teeing it up in competition <laughs> – Notably guys like Gay Brewer, <laughs> yeah. who were rolling in Thursday and Friday shooting 93-88. <laughs> and they had to remind these guys, listen, I know you're technically allowed to do it, but maybe you should reconsider if you can't break 80. Right, right. So they need to do that in the PJ. Rich Beam, Andy, said, yeah, when people ask me, are you only playing in this because you get a free exemption. The answer is hell yeah. yeah so at least yeah. Rich Beam was honest, but Rich Beam has no status otherwise yeah, on the tour. Uh, I, uh, speaking of Rich Beam, when he won the Kemper, yeah, uh, I was the one who went over and got him to, uh, to come on the air. On the air. And nice. he said, hold on. And he made a cell phone call to a bar that I guess his father owned. Right. And he said to the bartender, buy a round of drinks for everybody in there. I love that moment. Yeah. Now, Rich Beam is a a cool, chill dude who will forever have his story to tell to his grandkids the time he took down Tiger Woods in his prime at the PGA up in Minnesota. So Tiger at the PGA, it's, I mean – Every minute of Golf Channel with their live from, it seems like, is about Tiger. Mm-hmm. And appropriately so, because, look, he yeah. won the Masters and he's now... They want me. They yeah. don't care. They know they got you. They I want know. me. I know. But the other news with Tiger this week is that he's getting sued because yeah. a bartender at his restaurant ended up going 100 miles an hour, swerving across three lanes, launching his car, his Corvette, upside down, killing himself while triple the legal limit drunk and he was a bartender at tiger's restaurant yeah now is that tiger's fault why that's for a jury to decide Andy. yeah but you know the 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 job of the bartender is to serve drinks to others not to himself right but what the parents of the kid are saying is that he they knew he had a drinking problem Mm-hmm. And that the culture at the restaurant, and by the way, Woods' girlfriend, 
uh, whatever Erica, whatever her name is, uh, the manager at the Woods restaurant, she apparently, they're saying that she set the tone and the culture there that allowed their son to keep on drinking to excess and that they foster this environment. I'm not saying it's going to win, but it does happen to the point that Drew Olson told me uh, today, he said, this is why Bob Euchre never got in the restaurant business because he said, why do I want that? I'll just get sued when some yeah. shit goes down. No, I know. You know, I know people, who, and I've worked briefly in the as a waiter uh, some years ago, and I do know the drinking culture. But again, you, you do need to have some responsibility for yourself, don't you think? Oh, I agree. But unfortunately, sometimes you get these things in front of a jury, yeah. and they're sympathetic. The other thing that could have Woods in trouble is that the family is alleging they destroyed videotapes right. on security cameras. Yeah. And I'm thinking, hmm. What other incident involved security cameras that suddenly had no footage? That's right. The Thanksgiving night golf club incident. <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Remember police are like, yeah, we went looking for the videotapes and they were not yeah. there. Couldn't, couldn't find big mansion. Now we, we just don't have surveillance tape. No. <laughs> Funny. We're not recording at the time. So yeah. will you, uh, will you watch the PGA? This is weird because it's early. Yeah. It's not at a time. But I like it now because it feels more like golf season. That it is tickling too close to, to football season. So no, I agree that the, the new schedule is great in golf. It's just weird because you're not used to a major in the middle of May and you're not used to a major north where the trees are not fully leafed out, which is odd mm-hmm. to see. It's at a U.S. Open course, Beth Page, where they played the 02 and the 09 opens. And yeah. yet it's the PGA Championship, which is jumping up in the order. So I, as a golf nerd, Andy, have no idea how it's going to play or how it's going to be set up. Is it going to be really hard like U.S. Open where one or two under par wins it? Or is it going to be more like a typical PGA where 12, 13 under wins it? Don't know. Well, that's going to be of a much bigger concern to you. My concern is, <laughs> is Tiger is there? there a guy wearing a red shirt on <laughs> Sunday who's in contention to win? Exactly. <laughs> All right, you uh, you sent me. You're reading a book. You sent me a clip today via text. You're reading a book about uh, the Duke lacrosse case. That was yes. one of the most famous cases of prosecutorial mis injustice, where this guy Mike Nifong basically tried to frame the Duke lacrosse team for a rape they didn't commit. Yeah. Now, in, I'm about halfway through the book. What's the book called? And it's called Until Proven Innocent. And it's written by, I have it right in front of me, Stuart Taylor Jr. and Casey Johnson. The, the, as we knew at the, at, you know, in the aftermath of it, Nifong's motivation for all of this was to get reelected as the, you know, county prosecutor, as the prosecutor for Durham. And the reason he wanted one more year of election is it would have meant a $15,000 a year difference in his pension. Really? I mean, in the grand scheme of things, Jesus. And and the lengths he went to to hide evidence, and to, he and he knew yeah. and he knew that this was a juicy, high profile case. Right. He knew that he needed the support of African American voters to win reelection. So it was a pretty straightforward thing. He had to press the case against these white kids from Duke. Right. And no, the no, truth he... and the truth can go sit in the back seat and shut up because he wanted the extra 15 grand. He didn't care about ruining yeah, these kids' lives a year. or possibly sending them to jail for many years. Right. And and the three that were picked out 
by the accuser. She just randomly looked at, and she, she said that it, they had one African-American on the team and she eliminated him. And then she looked at the group of 45 others and picked three random people out whose right. lives were put in turmoil for, you know, six months. And it, it's really an unbelievable uh, story of, of what you wouldn't think would be possible for a prosecutor, but it was. And unfortunately, there were several high-profile journalists that did not cover themselves in glory when no. this thing was unfolding. Well, Christine Brennan, who's a friend, uh, wrote something to the effect of, you know, this is horrible. The, the whole narrative at the beginning was, oh, these rich frat boys and rich, you know, kids of privilege, uh, look at what they did. And, and the, you know, there were stories that they used racial epithets on, mm -hmm. on her and things that weren't true. And so the, the narrative was, oh, how could Duke let this, this behavior go on? And then when it became clear that this was indeed a, a terrible miscarriage of justice, she said, we as journalists, no, the journalism community should be embarrassed by this, not including herself in her <laughs> right judgment. Right. She just sort of left that out. And then John Feinstein, also yeah. a friend of yours, yeah. basically went as far as to say, take all their scholarships away unless they say what they know right now. Like, come on in and tell us what you know, ignoring any and all legal advice that that would be a horrible idea to do such right. a thing. Right. Right. It was, uh, it was, it's not the finest moment for, <laughs> and certainly Duke, which, which put its muscle behind Nifong without really checking the facts. I mean, they really let these kids down too. Yeah. I think what it stems from is we tend to have more trust in America in our institutions and the people in charge than maybe we should because yeah. I assumed that the Palm Beach County Police Department had a real human trafficking case on their hands when they swept up the owner of the New England Patriots. Right. Turns out, Andy, they didn't have shit. They yeah. not only didn't have shit when it comes to a human trafficking case, they used all kinds of shady, illegal and fucking dirty tactics to get a few low-level busts. Yeah. Well, how about how about the leak to Adam Schefter that there was a bigger fish than Kraft and all of that? <laughs> yeah. Where's, I mean, where's Adam Schefter now since he tweeted that out? Yeah. So, you know, they yeah, they were clearly trying to, and that's what I guess people in those positions are trying to do, make a big name for themselves, and they go, oh, look at the police plotter. Look at the name we, we got here. Well... Yeah, I mean, it's nothing for Robert Kraft to be proud of, but it's not human trafficking by any means. No, and and they were pulling, they were pulling guys over for no reason, just to get their names. That the judge said that's not admissible. The video is not admissible because there were video. There was actually some suckers, Andy, that went into the Orchids of Asia Day Spa, and just got a massage. Yeah, suckers! Don't you know that's not what these joints are for. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, I've I've been tempted to use the massage chair at the airport once in a while, but the uh, Orchid Day Spa has not been on my radar. Right. So uh, what did you make of the rookie minicamp with Simba and Dwayne Haskins in his first couple of days? And, of course, the media hype. I heard you on, I heard you on Sunday morning, I believe, on the radio, yeah. and you were properly yeah. – 
tut-tutting at how people were getting carried away. Julie Donaldson saying he looks like a, quote, seasoned vet. You yeah. had John Kime's story saying that he was, quote, turning heads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lord. Yeah. Well, this is this is what happens, and it happens every year. I mean, the, of course they're going to want him to look good. And Jay Gruden coming out and saying, well, obviously he was worthy of the 15th pick. What's he going to say? <laughs> oh, God, we right. threw away another one. <laughs> I've never seen a team draft a guy that high and then go, uh, we're, we're really, we don't think he's going to play. The oh, only guy was Spurrier who said, yep, yep, Patrick, he'll be ready to play about this time next year. Next well, year. He didn't, he didn't want him. He, he, I know. <laughs> he was, that, that was a different story. Now, this one, maybe, maybe, maybe it's fact uh, that Gruden did not want Haskins. I don't know. But uh, he's smart enough. He's been around long enough to know that he's got to put a happy face on this. Yeah. And, you know, the, only, the the good ones are the ones you find out behind the scenes. Like when Desmond Howard went through his first mini camp and some of the veterans said, can't play. And they said, me can't play now. No, can't play in the league. Unbelievable. Right away. And what was Desmond Howard's problem in the pros? Couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. He was at Jefferson. Well, yeah, you were there with me when we had our little uh, dust up. Right? Oh, that's right, with Desmond at the Army Navy game. Yeah, yeah, and I, I suggested that his career didn't live up to expectations. Oh, he, he didn't, didn't like that. Didn't like that at all. But if if you stand next to him, he's he's tiny. He's, I know. He, he may be listed at six feet. He's probably five ten, maybe. Was and, he was he Super Bowl MVP for the Packers? Yeah, for for kick returns. Yeah, well. I mean, if you're an athlete and you have a ring and you made a huge play in this fucking Super Bowl to have some buffet grazer like you trash <laughs> your career, of course yes, he was going to get his back up on that. I was looking that. at it from the Redskins' perspective. They traded two number ones to move up to four to take them. Oh, my God. Did and we they, really? Yes, and they're, and they're coming off the Super Bowl where they had the posse you know, with, with uh, Ricky Irvins and Gary Clark right. and Art Monk. And they said, okay, well, you know, Ricky Irvins, Ricky, not Ricky, or Ricky Sanders. Ricky Sanders is the odd man out. They're going to get rid of him. And Howard didn't play much. They played him as a kick returner a little bit. So but, let, uh, let's see, where, where were the Redskins sitting at that time? They had two 30, picks. Were they 32nd? No, they, they uh, well, there weren't 32 teams oh, that's right. for one. And the other thing was, they had they had traded with um, I think San Diego or somebody. So they they were like fourteen and this eight, is the nineteen four, four and eight, six and eighteen something like that. This is the nineteen ninety two draft. Yeah, and so they they looked at him and Joe Gibbs famously said, "It's the only player we ever scouted had no weaknesses, yeah, except for well, getting off the line was... of scrimmage. That that would be yeah. a weakness right there." So right. so the Redskins traded two ones in exchange. For the fourth overall, which was, so in other words, a premium yeah. cost of an right. additional first rounder to move up from 16 to four. Something like that. Yeah. Well, so many dumb ideas over the years. I was looking back at previous Redskin drafts and there was a year under Vinny in which they had three picks and one was a seventh rounder, which turned out to be Jabron Hamden. How in the fuck, Andy, do you end up with only three draft picks in the modern NFL where anyone with a brain knows that's where you get your future talent? Right. Three. Right. Well, that, well, we that had was three. Three, Gibbs. 
picks. And that was free Gibbs, and Gibbs didn't mind discarding picks to get free agents. Remember he was telling us oh, they've yeah. already proven they could play in yeah, the league? We know that they can play was his answer. And uh, who was the wide receiver from the Niners? Lloyd? Oh, yeah, Brandon Lloyd. Brandon Lloyd? Was it Brandon Lloyd? I forget, but it was Lloyd, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he made a couple spectacular catches, and and we had to go get him. And not only did they go trade for him with a year left on his deal, they ripped up his deal and gave him a new contract. Everybody got new contracts, yeah. And and Joe's answer to that when we asked him when he was on our show and when we were still in his good graces, (laughs) we're like, why didn't why'd you do that now instead of seeing how it works out? He said, well, we know that we wanted him, and that was, like, the right thing to do. Right. <laughs> the right thing to do. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Joe, <laughs> Joe Flacco has said in Denver it's not his job to mentor the rookie Drew Locke. Good for him. Yeah? Yeah. I, I Again, th- that's not your job. And he's, what's Flacco, 33, 34? Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks are playing into the late 30s now. So what? why is he motivated to – mentor somebody who's going to take his job all right what degree of not helping your teammate is acceptable if you're a quarterback well i don't think you can be a complete jerk about it but i do think that if if you're if you're saying hey why don't you come over my house tonight and watch film i don't think that's your responsibility no what if let's say for example they're on the sideline and Drew Locke comes over and says, hey, uh, Joe, on that last pass you threw over there, I didn't know what the coverage was. It looked like it was cover three. What did you see? And what if Flacco says, hey, Rook, we went over this in the meetings, okay? Take better notes. Would that be acceptable? I think during the course of a game, if mm-hmm. he asks it, I, I don't think it's acceptable. But if he asks after the game, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's right. So so even if the rookie asks you a genuine question to learn, it's okay for Flacco to be a dick and go, "Yeah, we went over this in practice during the game." If after no, the no, game, after how about during the week? Oh, oh, what yeah, if during the week Flacco's okay. like? But also, all Flacco's the, like, the, "Hey, listen, the coach is going over all of this. I really can't yeah. help you. I'm trying to work on my own game." Do you say uh, that's okay? You know this is a copycat league, so everybody's looking at Patrick Mahomes and go, "Oh, well, yeah. he had the wonderful Alex Smith as the mentor, so we're going to do that too. We're going to draft a quarterback, and we're going to have some veteran guy in front of him, and it's all going to be peaches and cream, and everybody's going to get along, and boom, we can kick that quarterback out of there because we got his replacement ready to go." Is yeah. that you, is that is that fair to Joe Flacco? I don't think so. Well, uh, I know that Bruce Allen mentioned the whole Alex Smith connection. With Flacco, <laughs> did you hear him say that? No, what did he yeah. say? He, he was like, well, you know, uh, and Alex did a great job of mentoring up uh, Patrick Mahomes, and we think he has a chance to do that for us as well here. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, like, so that cool. is so the this- biggest fucking reach I've ever heard. Like, he's the magic good luck charm to creating the next a- NFL superstar. And that's a make good because you're going to spend $40 million on some guy who could point out some of the uh, intricacies of uh, attacking a 3-4 defense. <laughs> it's, un- it's unbelievable. We currently uh, we're sitting here in D.C., Andy, with two star players that will be paid to not play next year for approximately $50 million. Alex Smith is worth 24 
And John Wall starts year one of his Supermax, which is above 40. And Oof. and Wall's apparently not going to play next year recovering from that Achilles. Right. Yeah. Oh, I know. And he's got a balloon payment of $48 million at the end of the deal. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It's it's You talk about government waste, sports waste, just money flushed. And and it's going to hurt both teams for a long time. I mean, I, oh. think, I think we're in a period of three years where neither the Wizards nor the Redskins make the playoffs. Well, I think it's much more damaging to the Wizards. Agreed. Football's yeah. more flexible. And if yeah. Haskins is good, then they've got a, a fighting right. chance. Right. Uh, let's see here. John Wall, 2019-2020. He will make $37 million. <sighs> Thirty-seven, eight, and that's the cheapest of the next four years. It goes to forty, forty-three, and forty-six. Yeah. So I think thirty-seven over those three years. Yeah. Three years. He will make more money in his career than Michael Jordan made. So let's see. Thirty-seven. Alex Smith. I love Spot Rack as a website, Andy, because yeah. you get to look at everyone's contract. You know, we're all nosy. We we like to count other people's money. Ooh, how much do you make? How much do you make? Uh, next year, Alex Smith is going to make uh, pretty reasonable, only $15 million base. Huh. Uh, but actually, his total next year, well, I guess it depends on how he calculate But the bonus has got to be over 20 right? I, I think, think so. Yeah. I think when you count it all together, it's 20-something-odd million dollars. So let's just say we're, we're approaching $60 million in Alex Smith. And John Wall, and neither one will take the field next year. Amazing. Do you know how many people are sending pictures of Alex Smith in his erector set leg walking around town? Six months after the injury? It's terrible. Yeah. I pray the guy keeps his leg. I feel terrible for him, you know? I think he will, but I, I, I mean, he may be limping when he's throwing passes around to his kid in the backyard. Yeah. I wonder when the team is going to finally admit that, yeah, no, he's not coming back. They don't, you know, they they're don't, not going to say that. No, no. <laughs> you, think, you think they're just going to like pretend Alex who at some point? No, they'll say, oh, you know, he's he's working out. He's hmm. he's doing well. He's highly motivated. You know, he's yeah. you know, and they're and then they're well, you know, when watching the game here, Randy Livingston. You remember the knee injury he suffered when he was playing for the Clippers, right? Uh, not Randy Livingston. That's another NBA player. Uh, I'll I'll find the name of. I've now got name lock on this, but yes, I remember the injury he suffered. It was terrible. Yeah, yeah came back and played. So, all right, real quick before we let you go here, Andy, it looks like our friend Buck is out as play-by-play man for the Wizards. This is this is such an uncomfortable thing. Not just that it appears, and I hope it's not the case, but it Sean, appears he's out. Sean Livingston. Sean by Livingston. The way. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. My fault. Um, the uh, the two names that have, have surfaced. Publicly, Incredible. Helly, Dan Helly yeah. of NFL Network, and Dave Feldman of NBC Sports Bay Area. Right. Both guys used to work in the D.C. market. Both guys used to be on our show, The Sports Reporters. Mm-hmm. And both guys are in the mix, apparently, to audition for the job. Right. That and, and is I think, awkward. And Dave and Buck are really close friends. I mean, Do you think uh, that'll end that friendship? No, I don't think so. Do you think think, Buck will say, look, they were going to whack me no matter what. Right. So I'd rather have a friend get the gig instead. Yeah, but I know this. uh, Dave is in San Francisco. He owns a house in downtown area. 
Uh, and I know that Dan is, is settled himself pretty well out in Los Angeles. I mean, are they going to move back? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I See, I don't get it because, like you said, both have pretty good situations. Now, sure. now Dave up there in the Bay Area may feel like, you know, things could go south on me anytime because these regional sports nets are cutting talent, you know. Right. But Helly, I thought, was pretty secure at NFL Network, and he's living in L.A. I know. I don't get it. I really don't get it. And you it, come it, back it, and work for Ted, a guy who had no problems gassing Buckhands, which to me is crazy, and you're going to be calling a team that will be bad for at least the next three years. Right. I mean, and they're, 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 the discussion about this has been that they're worried about the chemistry between Buck and Carol Lawson. Carol Lawson, she's got there. And if you'll notice, at the end of the season, she was rarely on because she was doing her day job, which is doing women's basketball on ESPN. Yeah, well, they're they worried about her chemistry. Well, they, could, they could rehire. If they're worried about the chemistry, then uh, rehire Phil Chenier. He's not doing anything. Yeah, well, Should have never okay. messed with it in the first place. Very disappointing because uh, our friend Buck did a great job. Not just being our friend, he was a really good play-by-play man, and you shouldn't get rid of people who are good. Right, and and I think that if you look at the demographics, of, and this is maybe why they're making the change, but I don't think younger people doing the games is going to bring younger eyeballs to the television No. The older people are watching television. You're going to drive some of us, not completely away, but I would probably watch fewer games. Buck, we're not doing the games next year. Yeah, There's there's no doubt because Buck made for an easy listen because he yep. was very good. Him and Chenier had great chemistry, knowledge of the team. But, oh well, chase them clicks, chase them young millennials, try to get social. Yeah. So ridiculous. All right, Andy, uh, safe travels back from the West Coast. Don't get addicted to West Coast time watching sports events. <laughs> I wish I could import that. I wish I wish I could start the games if I could at 6 o'clock Eastern. I'd love that. All right, Andy, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, brother. All right, Zay, take care. See All right, that'll do it for me tonight. Thank you for listening. 59-48 Golden State looks like they are effortlessly cruising against the Blazers in game number one. And I uh, hope that the nighttime release schedule of the Zabecast is not too difficult for you guys to adjust to. We'll see how it goes as I work in my new schedule. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time. Next time.